your dwelling here, oh God. We ask that you would rest on these people, oh Lord. God, we ask that you would visit us today, oh God. I know we're here to dedicate babies, oh Lord, but even in the midst of that, God, we ask that your spirit would rest on our hearts, oh Lord. God, for people that are in here that may not know who you are, oh Lord, I pray that something is said today, oh God, or that your Holy Spirit is so heavy in this place, oh Lord, that they would long to know who you are, oh God, as the Savior, oh God as our provider, God, as our sustainer, oh God, as our father, Lord, as our friend. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise this morning? Come on. He's so worthy of all of our praise. Come on, let's praise him with all that we have. Jesus, we magnify your name. You are the name that's above every name, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Come on, he is in this room. It says that where two or more are gathered, there he is with them. Can I get an amen? Hey, we are family here. It is Baby Dedication Sunday. This would be the moment to greet your neighbor, to greet a baby and say hello. Say hello to someone you haven't talked to. As you're finding your way to your seat, I know we got people in the room. I know it's a packed house today. We got all the babies. Why don't we give it up for all the babies in the room? Come on. Welcome to all the children in the house. And we got people who are watching online. Maybe they're sick or they couldn't be with us. Maybe they're traveling on vacation. Can we just welcome those who are watching online right now? Welcome. 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 I got two things before we get started. Uh, First, my name is Andy. If I haven't met you yet, I'm the lead pastor here. And it is an honor. It's a privilege to just be with you all today. I love hearing the babies crying. My daughter's probably crying somewhere. And I'm just excited that we are family. Amen? Hey, two announcements before we jump in. And I am so excited for this. We have been praying for about four or five months for a worship pastor. We are a brand new church. We launched in January And Erin Parker over here, she is uh, now one of our best friends. She's got a beautiful... Can we just clap for her? Erin, why don't you stand to your feet? You guys don't even know. Give me a hug, Erin. We love you. Your family here. We, uh, yeah, come on. Can you just stand to your feet for her one time and welcome her? Seriously, welcome her. Welcome, welcome. We love you. In all seriousness... We really have been praying, and this isn't something that we take lightly. This isn't just like a gig that like, hey, we're just going to get some musicians to come in and, and, and get us through. Like, we really believe that the worship pastor position, the reverence, and just the anointing that must be there is without words. And Erin is just that. She blows it out of the water. Her voice is beautiful. But what I appreciate most about Erin is her humility and her kindness. When you meet her and you talk to her, she is so gifted, she is so anointed, 
But she has a servant heart. And this is exactly who we've been praying for for four or five months. She is now on the team and hired, and she is our new worship pastor. So can we clap one more time for that? I'm going to give it to her for a second. Is there anything that you want to share besides the fact that you had us all in tears two seconds ago? Um, Hi, everybody. I'm Erin Parker. I'm super excited to be here. Um, Like I said in the the powwow circle, or what's it called again? Dream team, powwow circle, all of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. But um, I just appreciate how everybody has embraced me as family being here, even though it's my second time leading, third time here. Like, I just feel at home, you know. Um, and so I'm looking forward to, you know, growing with you guys and y'all having patience with me when I slip up or sing the wrong lyrics, you know. It's all for the glory of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, but um, the other thing I just wanted to say, um, if you guys, anybody in here plays or sings or wants to play or sing or thinks they want to play or sing, like, <laughs> come come up to me after service and then we can, we can chat it up and exchange numbers and stuff because I, I think, um, I hear y'all, we have some singers in here. So just let me know, you know. Hey, stand up with me one more second. We're going to pray for her. Would you just stretch out your hands? We're old school here. Is that cool? So we're going to pray for Aaron. God, we just thank you so much that you have equipped and empowered Aaron for such a time as this. And Lord, at the end of the day, this isn't about this church. This is about your kingdom coming to earth, here on earth as it is in heaven, as we were just singing. For such a time as this, God, I thank you for the team that you have orchestrated, that you have ordained, that you have led her and assigned her to serve at one church. God, we're thankful for however long you have her here. We are so blessed and honored to serve with her. But Father, right now with our arms outstretched, we ask, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon her, Father? We thank you that she is our worship leader in this place that she's going to lead us to your heart, that she's going to lead us into the presence every Sunday, God. And I just ask, would we as a congregation be a blessing to her? As she is used as a vessel to see our cups filled, I pray that we would be the people of God that would overflow her cup, that we would refresh her every Sunday that she's here with encouragement, with love, with peace, with the fruits of the Spirit. God, we are so thankful we give you this time that she's going to be serving here with us. And we ask that you'd pour out your blessing on us in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Let's clap one more time. I'm excited for that. Number two, God is in this place, and I'm so excited. One of the words that's been on my heart for One Church is that we are expanding the family, this word expansion. And not only do we want to do that at a local level, but I have some really exciting news that as we are giving, our mission and our vision here is that we are for the one. Everybody say for the one. So we don't gather here to say, hey, let's try to become the newest, greatest church on the block. We're here because we want to reach people who are far from God and bring them home. That's the purpose. You see this sign right here? It says, welcome home. The vision of this church from day one was, we're not trying to reach other Christians. We're trying to reach the lost that do not know that Jesus is Lord and King, that do not have a personal relationship With him. And we're committed to this on a local level. We're committed to this on a national level. Part of our budget, 10% of the budget that we have for one church goes straight to missions. We're committed to living off of 80% that's given, saving 10, and giving 10. There's three lanes. Everybody say lanes. There's three lanes. Just make sure you're with me. There's three lanes that we want to give and say, God, we're not trying to build our name. We're trying to build the kingdom. So lane number one is the local level. Lane number two is national. And number three is global. 
We've had some cool moments to, to give to the high school and some families there. At the national level, we got to support a church plant out in South Dakota who launches in August, which I'm really excited about that. But the announcements I want to share with you this morning is we are now going to be supporting some missionaries from the Czech Republic. The Czech Republic, we have them here with us. Their name is Phil and Christy Boardman. They have an amazing story. Why don't you come on up, you guys? Can we clap for them? The One Church family is expanding, not just here locally, but we want to be people that say, you know what? These people, this family that you see up on the screen with their son, Oliver, he's five years old. They are laying down their lives for the one. They could do anything with their life. They could try to get as much wealth as possible, as much square footage, and build their name, their business. And they said, we're going to lay our lives down for the one. That we're going to get out of our comfort zone, out of America. We're going to move to the Czech Republic. And can I encourage you that they're even serving Ukraine refugees who are coming over right now from the war. That's happening between Russia and Ukraine. So I just want to let them share for a few minutes. Just tell us what's on your heart. But we're so excited to be supporting them from here on out monthly every month. So go for it. Yeah. Thanks for letting us be part of your family today and ongoing. We've, we've been in the Czech Republic for about 17 years altogether. It's where we met and it's where God has us and we love being there. Do you know anything about the Czech Republic? It's in Europe. What countries surround it? There are four countries that surround it. Anybody? Germany, Poland, Slovakia, and Schwarzenegger. Austria, there you go. Um, we're right in the middle of Europe. Uh, somehow the Czech Republic ended up being one of the most atheistic countries in the whole world, though. Um, people just have a really strong disbelief in God. And um, we love being the first believer, the first Jesus follower that people ever meet. Uh, our job is English teachers, so we both teach English. Um, and this is a great way to just connect with people, build relationships over time. But being such an atheistic place, the fruit doesn't come fast. It comes kind of slow sometimes with longevity. And we're thankful to be there. In addition to our English classes, we also offer a conversation club, which is a free time for people to come and practice speaking English with us. And there's always, there's always a Christian in every group, so we can just add to the conversation. But the conversations don't have to be spiritual. And one evening we were there on a Tuesday night, we're sitting around the tables, and the conversation topic was weather. Very spiritual, right? Very spiritual. Not really. And I was kind of like, eh, what are we going to talk? It's going to talk about the weather. It's boring. We're not going to talk about God very much. Well, I was finished with my group, and a few groups were finishing. And as I listened to what the groups were talking about, they should have been talking about, like, thunderstorms and rain, I guess. But, like, one group, somebody in the group was sharing about, like, who Jesus is. Like, where did that come from? And I listened again, and I'm like, somebody's telling a testimony of, like, how they found God. And I'm like, what? This is the weather. And then, actually, Phil Nettleton was in one of the groups. Some of you know Phil Nettleton from here. He was actually in one of the groups. And, of all things, he was praying. We don't pray at Conversation Club. We just kind of let it be about the topic. But God was in that place. We were just speaking English with people that wanted to learn English. And the Spirit was just moving through. And this is one of the ways that we can connect with people in the Czech Republic and um, let them meet Jesus. Now, the place where we have our English classes and we're, um, and we're a conversation club and English classes meet is a place called Mayok. Can everybody please say Mayok? Any idea what you just said? Lighthouse. Isn't it kind of funny that we have a lighthouse in a landlocked country? 
Some people think it's weird, but as Christ followers, we know that we want to be the light. We want to be shining a light for Jesus. And it is a wonderful place, and we spend a lot of hours there. And the great thing has been in these last months to see places where we have English classes, uh, places where other uh, church groups meet have been transformed, and those are now places that are housing uh, Ukrainian refugees. And the countries that we mentioned before, Ukraine is not one that's right next door, but people are passing through. They're passing through Poland, passing through Hungary, on their way to the Czech Republic, and they're just seeking refuge. They're seeking a place to stay. Um, the place that we've offered, I'm, I'm looking up here at the little bags for the little babies that are being dedicated today, knowing that there are moms and children that are coming through the country and without a place to stay and to land for a little bit. And Mayak has been that safe refuge. It's been a place for people to connect um, and for, for people to be ministered to. And for us, it's super exciting to be a part of it because we're here, we're not there, but there's a bigger group, there's a larger body, and the body of Christ is working together here and there um, to just love on people. And another beautiful thing, uh, as Phil shared, that the Czech people are quite atheistic, so they aren't giving and being charitable because of the love of Jesus that's flowing out of them. They're just doing it to be good, kind people. But when they see us as Christ followers loving the Ukrainian people, there's more to it. It's not just out of my own strength or our own strength, but there's something flowing out. And that's just been a really wonderful thing to be a part of. We have a ton more stories and would love to tell you more, um, but we just want to let you know we have little cards in the back in the table right by the door, so as you're bolting out, pick up a card. And we also want to stay connected by email, so you can do that by signing up on a, on a piece of paper. There's also a tablet to do it, or we can give you a QR code, because we want you to be connected to us and be on our email list. And remember, what God's doing here, um, we're connected on the other side of the globe, and it is beautiful to be a part of the body of Christ. Let's give it up for them one more time. And I would love to pray for them. Why don't you guys stand up here for a second? They are family here. It doesn't matter what country they're living in currently. We are family through the body of Christ. Amen. And we believe, you guys, for such a time as this, where there's so much evil, there's so much wickedness, there's so much division, we get to be a part of the body of Christ that says, not on our watch. We're going to help be people that are peacemakers, that are servant hearts, saying, no, 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 what's happening in Ukraine right now, we're going to give not only of our prayers, but even our money to say, we want to help not only the Czech come to find Jesus, but even people that are fleeing Ukraine, that are coming over. Isn't that amazing opportunity? So I can't reiterate enough how excited we are to partner with them. But if you feel led today to give a one-time gift to them, please stop outside. If you feel led to give monthly, even by your own family, stop out and talk to them on your way out. But let's pray for them. Stretch out your hands one more time. Father, we thank you for the Boardman family. Lord, I thank you that in Luke 15, that you showed that the kingdom of God would be like someone when they find the lost coin, when they find the lost son, when they find the lost sheep, that the whole room rejoices, that all of heaven parties and celebrates because the lost are coming home. And time is too short, Lord, for such a time as this, you have raised up their family to be apostles, to be evangelists, to be shepherds, to be teachers, to be prophets for such a time as this, God. And we ask you to pour out your spirit on them to reach the lost so that we would see the Great Commission finished in our lifetime, that everyone that does not know would come home. And it's in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you. All right, that was the pre-sermon to the sermon. Is that okay? Are you with me? Like I said, we're family here, and we got all the kiddos with us. I think the best thing to do is just welcome them one more time. Thank you so much for being here, kiddos. We're not worried about you crying. We're excited that you're here. And I want to jump into the sermon. I'm going to try to make it a little bit shorter than usual, all right? Um, 
But before we, before we jump in, I want you to know a phrase that we say here. And I've thought and prayed about this for a long time. And some people don't even like that we say this here. I think it's really funny. But we say this phrase that you belong here before you believe. You belong here before you believe. And I was thinking when people come to church for the first time, or maybe they haven't been in a long time, they kind of come in with, with fears, with questions, like what are the church people going to be like? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to look down on me? And, and as we look at the life of Jesus, I see a God that we serve that welcomes everyone to the table. He welcomes them to the table that he doesn't say, oh, I'm just going to talk to the pastors here for the next few minutes and I'm going to act like all those who are there first time. I'm not, no, no, I want to speak to all of you this morning because we see that even while we were yet sinners, it says that in Ephesians, before the beginning of time, he adopted us as sons and daughters into the kingdom. Before you even cared, before you even thought, is Jesus real, is he not? Is this Christianity thing just a good religion or is this something I should give my life to? It says before the beginning of time, He made a way for you. He wanted you to be in the family of God. He wanted you to come back home. So I say that you belong here in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me before we jump into the message? Father, I thank you for your presence amongst us. Lord, I just ask over the next 15 to 20 minutes as I share this message that that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord. That anyone who has walls up to you, Jesus, that they would come down. That anyone that's fighting against hearing from the Holy Spirit this morning, that that you would give them a heart of flesh, ears to hear, and eyes to see. Lord, we're going to give you the glory in advance. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen and Amen. The title of our series is called Fruitful. Everybody say Fruitful. Fruitful. We love to do some call and response here since we are family. You're not here to talk or hear me talk at you the whole time, but we're here to encourage one another, to talk with one another. So John 15, 1 through 2 says this, I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He, everybody say prunes. He prunes us so that we would be more fruitful. So in this time, as we're looking throughout 2022, what's happening in America, what's happening around the world, it's heartbreaking And I can't say this with enough passion and and emotion in my heart that it is heartbreaking to see that the suicide rate is astronomically high right now. That people are taking their lives every day. And this is a complex issue. It's not just because of one thing, that we are physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional beings. We're complex human beings. But I think a big part is they don't have answers to these two questions. Why am I here? And what is my purpose? Are those not the two questions that whether you are a believer or not, if you think this is fake or not, are these two questions not something that we're all asking every day? What am I doing on this planet? Am I just here to take up space? Am I here to just store up wealth? Am I here to just make a good name for myself? Why am I here and and do I even have a purpose? Do I even have a calling? But I thank God in this place. That for every single one of you in this room, everyone that's watching online, everyone that's watching on YouTube later, God has a calling on your life in Jesus' name. He has a calling on your life. You may not have discovered it yet. You may think I'm just kidding. You may think this is fake. But before the beginning of time, God set you apart from your mother's womb and said, I have a plan on your life. You're not just here to take up space. You have an identity and a calling and an inheritance that comes from above. 
So here's nine words that I think a lot of us are just trying to figure out why we're here. I think a lot of us are just like, maybe I'm just here to be functional, number one. I'm just trying to get by. Just trying to fly under the radar, go to work, come home, and I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm functioning. Maybe it's number two. Maybe it's being familiar. Maybe it's like, I just want to be comfortable. We live in Westfield. Some of us live in Westfield. Hamilton County is one of the safest places on the earth, and we still don't feel safe. Familiar. Maybe we're just seeking a sense of security, comfort. Number three, maybe you just want to figure it out. Maybe I'm talking to some intellectuals in the room. You love reading books. You love listening to podcasts, studying. You, you wonder why things work, why things tick the way they do. Number four, maybe you just want to be, I love this one, a fantastic person. Maybe you just want to be someone that's well-liked. Maybe you just want to have a, a good reputation. As long as I'm not like rocking the boat too much, I'm a good, nice person. Maybe it's number five. Maybe you want to be flawless. I want to be perfect in what I do. So to the point of everything in my house, in my home, in my work. Number six, first, maybe you just want to be on top. Maybe I'm talking to a lot of highly competitive athletes in the room. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Seven through nine, favored. Maybe you just want to be wanted or needed. Eight, maybe you want to be famous. Nine, maybe you just want to have fun. Maybe you think the goal of life is just to kick your feet up and finally get to be a snowbird for the rest of your life. And I've made it. This is the blessed life. But I came to encourage someone in the room this morning that more than any of these, more than any of these, God longs for you to be fruitful. And some of these things are not bad. Some of these things we didn't even choose. Sometimes fame just happens. Sometimes you're just trying to have fun. And guess what? God wants you to enjoy your life. We're not serving a legalistic God that says by works you have to do A plus B equals C and then you get into heaven. It says, no, 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 no. None of us are even worthy. So let's just take that off the shelf. Only by the blood of Jesus we are worthy to come into his kingdom. But more than any of these things, we could waste our time trying to be a fantastic person, trying to be flawless, trying to have a favored life, trying to have all these things. And God said when he created you, he wanted you to be fruitful. After God blessed them in the beginning of time, his first command was be fruitful and multiply. So what does fruitful mean? Okay, so what does fruitful mean? Let's just skip a couple slides here. Fruitful means this, to become like Jesus and to reproduce like Jesus. How many of you have ever heard of the scripture, Romans 8, 28? God works all things together. For Have you ever read verse 29? Probably not, right? I didn't for a long time, and Romans 8, 28 is tatted right here on my chest, and I love it, and I think it's one of my favorite points in the Bible where I realize God's working all things for good. But Romans 8, 29 says that he's working all things for good, not because we're going to have the biggest house or the best square footage or the prosperity gospel that some of us are falling into, but it says we would have a blessed life because we are being conformed to the image of Christ. Now, what if happiness was not having the most wealth or the greatest mountaintop view, but happiness was holiness? And when I say holiness, I don't mean trying and striving and doing more and trying to earn God's approval. By holiness, I mean being fully surrendered to God and you become like Him over time. You're not trying to be God. You're becoming like God. Are you with me this morning? That holiness becomes your happiness. That Romans 8.28 makes sense because verse 29 says, so that we would become more like Christ. Hallelujah. That means 
even if a trial came against you this week, even if a tragedy happened to you this week, you can praise God and say, God, I thank you that you're working all things together for good. I'm becoming more like you through the mountains and the valleys. But number two, fruitful means to reproduce. See, a lot of us, when we think about Christianity, we boil it down to one word. You ready? Forgiveness. And yes, in Jesus' name, the message of the cross is so simple that none of us could earn to be right with God again. So the Lord sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price that you and I could not pay, the debt that we could not repay. He took on the cross the death that we deserve. Can I get an amen? The kids are shouting. You better shout amen. Come on. They're with us. Are the adults with us? Because Jesus has become like a little kid. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. So when I say reproduce... We don't just celebrate that we are forgiven, but something happens when we are saved that says that message cannot stay in just my heart. That message cannot just stay in these four walls. But Jesus said that he has given us his Holy Spirit so that we would be witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Westfield, in Hamilton County, in Indianapolis, Indiana, all the way to Czech Republic. He doesn't want you to just become like him. He wants you to reproduce. Disciples making disciples. This is the blessed life. These are the people, listen to me closely, that when they're on their deathbed, they have no regrets. See, a lot of people lay on their deathbed and they said, I wasted my whole life on wealth and cars and fame and fortune. And the other Christians are over here saying, man, I just poured out my life for the kingdom of God. I lived a fruitful life. I have no regrets. I know where I'm going. I know that my inheritance that cannot be destroyed by moth and rust is waiting for me. You may be the poorest person here in eternity, but the Lord stores up. He he will reward you for every single thing that you have done for his kingdom. This is the blessed life. For the next few moments, I want to talk about this one message. What does it mean to be planted? Everybody say planted. And present. First main point I want to share with you this morning. You're like, first main point? Aren't we supposed to get out of here in a second? I'll try to make this to the point. Number one is this, and I already got too excited. Most of us are, everybody say buried. Most of us are buried. We're not planted. We're buried. We're buried under the worries of life. We're buried under trying to meet a schedule. We're buried under all the things that we are overcommitting to, overexhausting ourselves, over-searching, over meditating on things that aren't giving us life. We're just buried. We're buried. But the Lord calls us to be, everybody say, planted. Have you ever wondered, um, I think in America, it's really funny sometimes, you ask someone how they're doing, you say, how, how are you doing today? And I'm just busy. I'm just busy. And then what we do is we try to like one-up each other. I bet I'm busier than you. I actually have two kids and three jobs and I've been doing all that, right? And we try to like one-up each other's busyness. In the kingdom, it says in scripture that we can be busy bodies, but not busy for the kingdom. Uh Uh-oh. That we can be busy doing all of these things. Wasting our time, but not being busy for the kingdom at all. Are you with me? But we're buried. We're buried under all these things. Let me uh, share a phrase with you that I know is convicting for me, and I fight this every day of my life. See, if the enemy, if Satan cannot destroy you, he will just distract you. 
A lot of you are like, I'm distracted by these babies right now. You're right, Andy. What's going on right now? But in all seriousness, all jokes aside, the enemy wants to distract you. See, so many of his attacks, as we look at the story of Job, the enemy can't touch you, but he can distract you. See, he can't destroy you. He doesn't have the power or the authority. See, God has given him boundaries that Satan can only do certain things to you, but he can definitely distract you. This is the perfect Sunday to talk about this. I didn't plan that. I think the Lord has a sense of humor, to be honest. But I want to skip a couple slides. What often hinders us the most is our pace. Everybody say pace. Just hang with me. This is a fun Sunday. I think this is awesome. What hinders us the most is not what often happens to you. It's the pace and the boundaries you've set up in your life that you decided. And I get it. Sometimes you have to stay late at work and it wasn't up to you. Sometimes you have to take a job to provide for your family. I don't want to diminish that. I don't want to demean any of that. But a lot of the times our worst problems in our life are things that we've set up. That we decided that we overcommit to, that we don't have boundaries, that we move so fast like the Starbucks, Instagram, McDonald's culture that we live in, and we look at the life of Jesus, he's never in a rush. He's never in a rush. He's present with people. He's present in every situation. Jesus was never rushed. Have you noticed how many times throughout the Gospels it says Jesus saw that person? See, we walk downtown Indianapolis scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on homeless people that want our help and need, and we're just like, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. And Jesus sees people. He sees the one. He could be in a crowd of people, and he always has eyes for the one. So how do we do this? How do we live a planted and present life? Number two is this. When we are planted, we prioritize. Everybody say prioritize. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or in the company of mockers. But number two, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his his law day and night. That person is like a tree. Everybody say planted. Planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I was thinking about this in my own life, so I share this message to you, not out of me saying, hey, Get on my level. These are things that I'm struggling with. Can I be real with you? A lot of the times when I prepare a message, it comes out of the struggles, the insecurities, and the battles of my week. Just being real. Like, I realize on Wednesday that I'm convicted in an area, and I want to say, man, I just want to share that with the people of God to say, I'm no better than you. I'm just trying to figure it out with you. But I think this is true. This has been true in my life. I think we often give our first fruits to the wrong people. We give our first fruits of our time to the wrong people. We slave, we work, we strive so hard for people's approval that don't even care about you. That we want to be liked by people from a distance and we're worried less about the people close to us that actually care about us, that actually want to see us succeed. Every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. And I get it. Sometimes as a parent, sometimes as a leader, you have to make sacrifices. Sometimes you do have to go on the road for a second and you're coming back. But I want to challenge you this morning. What are the boundaries? What is the pace that you set up in your life? 
I think a lot of times we blame things on the devil that were our fault. Can I share a funny story with you for a second? I did this this week. So, uh, so I thought our internet went out at the building yesterday, and I was praying over this place. Jesus, bless this place, God. Would you just get the internet to I'm calling Comcast, all right? <laughs> Lord, like legit, can I be real? Right before we launched this church, a snowplow severed our cable line. We had no internet, okay? That's just a funny story. But, but I'm praying over this. God, get this internet back on. And I go back home, and I realize that Leanne's accidentally unplugged the internet, all right? So, <laughs> but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I do think that we blame things on the devil that were our fault. They were our choice. Man, I'm just struggling. God, why does my life have to be so hard? We point the finger at God. Why does my life have to be so hard? All these people, man, all these commitments. What are the things you have committed to that you can't keep your word to? That was your decision. You're blaming it on the devil. I've done this too many times in my life. I want to go to this next slide. Sometimes it's obedience to tell someone no. Wait, wait, that doesn't make sense. See, Paul tells the church of Galatia, he says, guess what? Your calling isn't to be people pleasers. Guess what? Your calling is to please Jesus. That there is an applause, there is an applause that you were designed for, and it's from heaven. The applause of the nail-scarred hands, Jesus Christ. And when you begin to live in that mindset that you aren't here to please people, you aren't here to approve and get all of this acknowledgement from people that maybe care about you, maybe don't even know much about you, but you are designed to live and to please the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, to say yes to God. And sometimes it's obedience to tell someone no. I can't go on that trip with the guys. And let, let me be real, all the guys are like, man, let's go on a bros trip. Let's go on a, come on, let's go on a. Sometimes it's obedience as a married man to say No. I'm not going. I'm sorry. I need to be with my wife. I haven't seen her in three days. You know what I mean? These are real moments where we even see in the life of Jesus, crowds of people are coming. He retreats to the mountaintop to spend time with the Lord. That doesn't make sense in our framework. Number three, when we are planted, we are, everybody say, present. I want to skip a couple slides to keep this short. I think there's a difference between passing through and being planted. Everybody say passing. Passing through and being planted. See, we can pass through church every week and not be planted in the house of the Lord. I went to church this Sunday. I kind of heard what Andy was saying. I kind of watched the rest on YouTube, and then I kind of just went home and kept on moving. We can pass through these walls all day long, but my question to you is not, are you passing through church? My question to you is, are you planted in the house of the Lord? Because there's a major difference. See, we, we think we can be present people, but in order to be present people, making disciples, making an impact, it starts in the secret place. It starts where no one can see you. It starts right here. Before your day starts, on your knees, with your Bible open and saying, Lord, I don't want to just pass through church. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. I want to be planted in your house. I want to meditate on the word day and night. That your thoughts would become my thoughts. I can't defeat any of the sin that's in my life without being planted. 
Are you planted or are you passing through church? That's up to you. But Jesus is looking for those that would be fully committed to him, fully surrendered. Not just, hey, I'm kind of cool with you, Jesus. I think I said the prayer once because that's what we would call passing through. You're just passing through. Jesus was looking for disciples that were planted. They said, God, I'm here for it. Even, let's talk about our wedding vows. We treat our wedding vows so serious. How about our vows to the Lord? We treat our wedding vows more serious than we do to God. For real, we do. In sickness and in health. Till death to us part. Guess what? There is a covenant that comes first before marriage. It's to Him. The reason why your marriage is not flourishing is because it's not built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. It's built on sand. You cannot build your life on sand. Or when sickness comes, when a bad report comes, when all these people come against you, your life is sand. But if it's built on Jesus Christ, no matter what happens to you, I am blessed. That I am highly favored, not because of anything that I've done, because I'm a child of God. See, this is the part that hit me that was so terrifying in Scripture. Can I be really real with you? See, I'm not going to sugarcoat this to you. Some of us raise our hands and we say, I'm a child of God. It says that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are not considered a child of God. That you have to be reborn. That you have to be born again. I'm not talking about your earthly family. I'm not just talking about, well, I made it here. I'm a child of God. No, no, no. We have to be born again to see the kingdom of God, to see the reality that when we receive the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8 that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we testify, I am a child of God. He bears witness that you realize in that moment when you surrender everything to Jesus, I am a child of God. Because we have the Spirit of... Are you with me this morning? I just want to cut through all of the stuff that culture is telling you and tell you what the real Word of God says. I'll end here. Number four is this. When we are planted and present, we speak purpose. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its, everybody say fruit. So uh, I think no matter who you are, if, if you are encouraged by this message, if you hate this message, I think all of us can agree on this. Your words, your words carry weight. What you say to people carries weight. See, I think we often underestimate the blessing of one phrase of encouragement. Are you with me? We underestimate the power of a smile. We underestimate a well done, a pat on the back. We underestimate the power of the encouragement that comes from that. Are you with me? We also underestimate the damage of one phrase of discouragement. And I couldn't stop but thinking... I was supposed to preach this message last week, you guys, and Lienza got sick and we had to quarantine. And I felt like God was saving this message because it's Baby Dedication Sunday. That our words carry weight. That some of us, if we're just being real, we grew up in a home where maybe our father, our earthly father, was either absent. Maybe you grew up in a divorce home. Maybe you grew up without parents at all. I don't know where you're coming from. But the words that are spoken into our life has the power of life and death. Maybe some of you are hearing this message and you're like, man, I've, I've had some words spoken in my life that were of death. That someone said to you when you were really young, you'll never be able to do it. Oh, you think you have the courage? You're weak. You're too skinny. You're too X, Y, and Z. 
I was a skinny basketball player, if you can't tell. Um, I heard a lot of those things in high school. And to be real, others' words that were spoken into my life, I actually believed on some level that I was weak. That it had to do with my physical strength, that I was a weak person. And let me just encourage you that the lies of the enemy that have been spoken of your life will be broken in Jesus' name this morning. As you realize that even if you didn't have good parents, even if you didn't have a good earthly father, guess what? You all have a heavenly father that knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you did last night. He knows that you have rebelled against him. He knows that you say he he doesn't even exist. And guess what? He loves you. He loves you so much. If you even knew the price that was paid for you. I know that Christianity is just a joke to you, or maybe it's just a religion, but there is a God that is weeping for you, that wants you to know so much that you are loved, that you are chosen, that you are appointed, that you are set apart, that he has a plan for your life. He just wants you to know his love. It's not about all the rules. It's not about all the works. You know what I want so desperately for my daughter to know? that I love her. Because if she knows that I love her, she doesn't need the validation from anyone else. See, this is why a lot of young girls go to impure relationships. They get into abusive relationships because they never had the validation of their father. And they search for it in other places. They go, they bounce from relationship to relationship. Sons do this. They leave the home. Their father wasn't proud of them. So they think, I got to go earn it. I got to go work till I'm overworked, till I'm binging out on work, till I'm binging pornography, and I have to strive and strive. And guess what? When you realize that you have the validation of your heavenly father, that he loves you, that he's proud of you, that he speaks into the deepest pit of your soul. I know they said you couldn't do it, but guess what? I said you could. That through Christ, you can do all things. That gives you strength. This is your father. This isn't me. This is your heavenly father that created you, that knows you by name. And even when you want to prove that he doesn't exist, he just keeps on pursuing you. Guess what? He's not afraid of your doubts. A lot of people think they can come to church and they can't bring their doubts. Guess what? You know the doubting believer, doubting Thomas? Jesus said, Thomas, come here. You don't believe yet? Come here and feel the sides. Can you not see my hands that have holes for you? Jesus isn't afraid of your doubts. He welcomes them. He says, bring those to me. You don't think I exist? Come closer. You you think this is just a religion? Let me show you more. And all of a sudden, Christianity is not a religion anymore. It is your life. And it's not because you have to. It's not because your dad said you were supposed to. But you realize for yourself, and this is what we're going to be praying for our children, is that they would make their own decision to say, Lord, I've tried everything. Come on, I could testify in my life, and I'm fired up this morning because I remember when I was a little kid and people brought me to church, and I went because I had to. My mom and dad are here. How many times did I lay in bed? You had to dra- literally drag me out of the sheets when we were going to Grace in middle school. You think I'm up here because I was forced to be up here? I'm up here because I've tasted and seen that there's nothing better than this. There's nothing better. And I'll say it till I'm blue in the face because some of us don't believe it. We say, well, I'm just going to pass through church, but I really believe that wealth, fame, and a good life is real. No, no, no. 
Jesus came to offer you life that is abundant. And when you realize how real that is, nothing, nothing will satisfy you. It's like drinking out of an empty cup. It's like trying to fulfill yourself and you go from relationship to job to striving. And when you realize, Jesus, this is me this morning. Father, I'm doing all that I can and it's not amounting to what I thought. So I'm just going to receive. But there's nothing I could do. That the love of God surpasses nothing. There's nothing I could do. I couldn't strive. But by the cross of Jesus Christ... See, when we're insecure, when we're insecure and we don't have this, we bury others. I promise I'm almost done. Give me one moment. We're going to do baby dedications. This is super important. If you don't know your identity in Christ, insecurities just spill out of you everywhere you go. If you don't know that you are loved, chosen, appointed, set apart, there's an inheritance for you, then you will go around gossiping about others, slandering others, that if you feel threatened by someone else's calling, you just respond with insecurity. This is what we do to our children, you all. But you see, discipleship, everybody say discipleship. The heart of discipleship is that the person that you are pouring into, you're not threatened by them. You catapult them. And you say, I want you to go further than I've ever gone. I want you to know and taste and see earlier than I ever did. I want you to love Jesus, not because you had to, but because you want to. This is discipleship. Four words every single person needs to hear. I believe in you. I believe in you. But when we don't have this identity, how could we ever speak identity into someone else? I'll end with this. I want to share this acronym with you. I see in you. This is something that another pastor shared with me. And first off, you can't live into the what I see in you means unless you first receive. You can't encourage someone else if you are always discouraged. You have to receive. Everybody say receive. You have to get on your hands and knees and say, God, I need to be encouraged. That was me this morning. God, I don't have courage for these people unless your spirit fills me again. Now I have courage. I see in you means this. When I hold my baby girl, and this is what we're about to do in a second, instead of burying her with my own insecurities, my own fear of failure. See, my two least favorite words ever. You ready? Just wait. You ever heard that phrase before? Weddings. I'm being real with you. Baby dedications, baby showers. This couple comes up. Okay, look at this new couple. I'm so excited for you. But just wait. Just wait. It gets really tough. And you're going to be crying. Guess what? Do you think that 90% of people don't know that it's going to be somewhat tough, right? But we just come up spewing all of our insecurities. We project our own fear of failure onto other people. We project our regrets on other people. We project our own brokenness on our own kids. We were abused or we were neglected or we were, and then we spew it out onto other people when they have their own life and God has their own purpose for them, that he has their own plan for them. We need to get out of the way and say, I see in you a leader. I see in you someone that's going to change the world. 
I see in you someone that's going to be a servant leader. I see in you, instead of just blabbering all of this garbage, we are planted in the house of the Lord. We are present with people. And then we go around, not trying to make ourselves great, but making everyone else around us better. Are you with me? Being the type of person that when you're gone, everyone else around you got closer to Jesus that everyone else around you was encouraged? What if you were a breath of fresh air to your kids? What if you were someone, even if you don't have kids, you're all called to disciple someone? Who in your life are you pulling aside and saying, I know we could keep just doing life together, but I see in you someone that could change the world. One phrase of encouragement could unlock something in someone's heart and someone's mind. And we underestimate the influence that we have with those around us. What if they were one phrase away from you? See, we often think discipleship is, I got to go out to coffee. We got to go open up Galatians 5. How many of us have thought that's only what discipleship is? Let's be real. I have to pull together this Bible study. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't even know what the Old Testament is. Are you with me? But Jesus, he looks at the disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, liars, cheaters, thieves, everyone else counted them out and he walks up to them and says, I see in you someone that I could build my church on. I know that you sinned and you did all that stuff. Yes, you're already forgiven. We've moved on from that. But Peter, I see in you someone that I'm going to build my church on. I know you denied me. I know you came from a broken family, but I see in you. The rest is history.